0: Welcome to the Circle of Success. I am your host, Brett Gilliland, and today I've got Bill Coletti with me. Bill, how are you doing?
1: Brett, I'm terrific. Excited to a ter- for a wonderful conversation with you. Awesome. Well, it's
0: good to have you. I know you get your Florida State Seminoles helmet back there, so you coming from the great state of Florida right now?
1: Absolutely. Grew up in Tampa Bay, St. Petersburg area, and then spent a good bit of time in Tallahassee. Okay. Now you're a Buccaneers fan? Absolutely. Long suffering Buccaneers fan. <laughs> Season ticket holder way back in the day when we had Orange unis and Owen Owen whatever oh, we were man. for a really long time in the 70s. But now
0: everybody's a Bucs fan. Oh yeah. I'm a Bucs fan now. So, I mean, so what was it like when you when you heard the news Bucs signed Tom Brady? What were you thinking? I was
1: skeptical at the time. I didn't know if it was him or if it was the system. And so, you know, that two years ago or yeah. so, you had that coin toss: was it Belichick or was it Brady? Yeah. And and was was he a tool or or was he the the it? And obviously, he's kind of the it. It's the Belichick system. There's no knock in the Belichick system. No. The system has to have players, but he. It was amazing, and it was yeah. wonderful over the course of the year just to see the development that Those first four games were a little clunky chunky.
0: Yeah, well, think about it too. I mean I, I honestly think it's one of the best I know some people hate Brady, but I mean you got to respect what the guy's done, and, and, and you look at the fact that he comes to a new team, new division, don't get to have their normal you know stuff because of COVID, oh, yeah, and, and they just kind of get thrown into it, and I remember people saying, "Look, this guy's going to figure it out by the time the end of the year comes." Mm-hmm. you know and he did so it was yep. amazing absolutely he amazing he did so and i like that and then yep, i was also at the game and i think it was in 1998 maybe when the our, our st louis rams former mm-hmm. st louis rams beat the tampa bay buccaneers in the nfc championship game yeah i was yeah. at that game so that was true. Uh, well good man well thanks for being with us you are a business owner your your company is called kiff which we'll talk about that later and you're also the author of critical moments a new mindset for reputation management. So we'll have a lot of uh, great things to talk about, I'm sure. But kind of give us a background. Who is Bill Coletti? What's made you the man you are today?
1: Yeah, well, my mom and dad made me who I am today, and certainly an unabashedly fanboy of the, of the journey that my mom and dad set me on. And so started doing politics. I ran political campaigns, first did my work on my first race as a senior in high school, and then carried that up back to Tallahassee, which is the state capital in Florida, and did politics there, and then just ran progressively larger races and did that in the 80s and the 90s and then ran some statewide races and then made a decision. The girl I was dating at the time had an opportunity in Eastern Europe and Bulgaria. And so I moved to Bulgaria for five years and worked on a number of things over there, started the American Chamber of Commerce, and then ultimately wound up working for the prime minister and helping him set up a communication structure, similar to what we have at 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 a White House structure where you have a strategic director of communications, and then a more tactical spokesperson. So we set that up all as sort of precursor for Bulgaria to join NATO and the EU, which to become more aligned to the East or to the West, as opposed to where they were previously aligned uh, with Russia. And then I came home, ran another campaign in 2000, and then started a corporate consulting career. So from 2000 until now, I I ran a big global practice for a big big public, public relations firm. And then seven years, been doing it on my own.
0: Nice. And so, what did you learn? So, obviously, being over there in uh, in Bulgaria in a you know a different culture, right? So, mm-hmm. what did you learn about cultures that you can apply to the business world today?
1: That it is just absolutely critical to have a perspective bigger than your neighborhood. I think it is critical mm-hmm. that you have to have a big global perspective to understand the why of a lot of different things. And we can understand just take post-Trump presidency and the seeds of of the Tea Party movement, you know, you can learn a lot about that by tracking some of that of what happened in Europe prior to that. And so I think there's a lot of cultural understanding, but more importantly, understanding of yourself and why we do things the way we do. And that the, it also kind of, while I certainly believe in American greatness, we're not the only ones that got it figured out. There are other countries in the world that are doing some pretty great things. And yeah. I think a little bit of humility, there's nothing wrong with that.
0: Yeah, you can learn from a lot of people too. I mean, I think learning is a big deal as a leader. Absolutely. I you can go there and learn from other cultures and and bring that back to your own culture. Absolutely. And, you know, so one of the things you learn there is is
1: that it's just the critical importance of family and that people take care of their families. And it's not that we don't do that here, but it is a primary component of that. You also learn that Bulgaria as a particular country has really been battered around. I mean, there were seven different governing authorities from the Romans to the Turks, to the, to the Russians and and the Germans. And so there are lots of invaders and conquerors of Bulgaria. We never have that. We've had this sort of monolithic sense of destiny in the United States and, and Bulgaria had to be really resilient and they, they remade themselves any number of times. And so there's a lot of success stories to be learned, learned from
0: that. But the one big takeaway is, is family. It was a big takeaway. Yeah. So let's, let's kind of turn the page here a little bit and talk about communication. Obviously you're an expert at that. And I think it's important. It's always important right, to communicate, whether that's in your marriage with your kids, Mm -hmm. with your work people, but, but what is it about communication to you when you hear that word sticks out when you think about being a trusted advisor, right? Like visionary wealth advisors, we are a wealth management firm Mm -hmm. and we are a trusted advisor to our clients. And and Mm -hmm. so take the wealth management space, whether it's an attorney, a doctor, whoever it may be, what's the most important thing when you think about communication and being a trusted advisor?
1: Yeah, it's terrific. I love that question. So there's an amazing book written by David Meister and Meister really sort of tried to deconstruct the professional service wisdom giving, which is what all those disciplines you just described, including yourself and what we do, wrote a book called Trusted Advisor. And he really tried to unpack what are the key elements of being a trusted advisor. And he talked about this concept of a, it's a math equation and we won't, I'll, I'll, I'll paraphrase it for, for, brevity's sake. I think, becoming a trusted advisor begins with being really clear and honest with yourself. I think you got to know and understand yourself first and understand our own head trash and understand our own limitations because we convince and talk ourselves out of giving really good advice very often because, well, people are going to think that's naive or people they've already thought of that. So I'm not going to share that. So the Meister model is all built over self-awareness. And then above self-awareness is trust, you get trust by being credible. And so Brett, you've built trust over your career by giving consistent doubles and maybe the occasional triple and rarely a home run for your clients, but you have been credible and consistent by delivering good, prudent, sound advice. So that's a key component to that. Other one is intimacy. You have and great leaders and great advisors are intimate. They're willing to be transparent and honest and say, I don't know if they don't know and say, I'll research that. So there's this intimacy of, of not BSing people that's there. And then the last part is really truly being a subject matter expert. And so I couldn't be a... I could not be a family family practice doctor because I just don't have those skill sets, but I can do what I do and you can do what you do. And so you truly have to always be sharpening the saw and understanding market. And so when someone asks you about Bitcoin or whatever the weird thing is of the day, you've got credibility and the ability and the expertise to do that. So trust is built from... The subject matter knowledge, what you're, you're the really the thing you really do, this intimacy, willing to be vulnerable and willing to sort of connect with people at a human level, and then the credibility of consistency, of consistently delivering that, all, I even mean, if it's a math problem, over self awareness and 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 really a deep understanding of yourself.
0: Yeah. I love that. So know yourself first, building the trust, intimacy, speak, willingness to be transparent, huge, mm-hmm. yep. which, which I think let's stop there for a second. I think that's hard sometimes for men. Maybe it is for women. I don't know. But I think as men, we don't want to be so vulnerable and transparent sometimes because we think it can come across weak. So what are your thoughts there?
1: Absolutely. And then let me just add to that. We fake it with BS and most people <laughs> see right through it. Uh, yep. And, 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 and I'm talking about, and what I do is, I mean, we do crisis communication. So we are dealing with leaders that it's the worst day of their career or the worst seasons of their season of their career. And this is things that could jeopardize certainly their job at the enterprise that they're at or significant shareholder return, whatever metric is most relevant to them. Yeah. And people are pretty good at seeing through the BS when you're really struggling, you know, and, and I think that it, that's why that intimacy is really important. And and so much of what I do is tactical advice, but it's also almost ministerial. It's just being present for someone in a moment of need. I'm not going to solve it. I'm not going to fix it immediately, but I'm present for people. And that's what yeah. people really seem to value. So that's where yeah. that intimacy comes in.
0: I love it. And then the fourth one you said was be a subject matter expert. And so I I love that. I say, be a student of the game. And, And so what is it that you do, you know, kind of walk us through maybe the daily or the weekly or the monthly habits for you to stay at the top of your deal and keep sharpening your saw?
1: Yeah, I love it. So I have just over the past three years, really, Embraced a morning practice, so I have a morning ritual and a morning routine. And there's this great book by Hal Eldridge called Miracle Morning, and he talks Phenomenal. about this thing called. T He talks about this thing called savers, and so for me, because I need to be in crisis response, I need to be the center of the spinning wheel. So there's a lot of crap going on around me. I need to be that centered place. So. I'll answer your direct question on subject matter expertise, but really, I believe subject matter expertise begins with my stillness. Is appreciate a, I've got a meditation practice, which I really appreciate. I've got a lot of affirmation that I do. All of this kind of comes from from Hal and the work from from that Miracle Morning. After that is I'm always learning and listening. I mean, there's the great sources of podcasts and guys like you that are talking about with innovative people that are taking just a little bit of a key take, a different perspective on something, you know, Harvard Business Review and, you know, the IdeaCast. I mean, there's lots of different innovations. There's in, in the communications world, you know, public relations broadly defined, there is not a very good straight line from academia to application healthcare and other industries there's a pretty straight line and even in your industry there's there's a lot of really good academic information that makes its way into decision-making. Communications doesn't really do that, but I think there's a lot to learn as people study the public and public behavior. So I actually have a an interesting little Google scholar search set up when when keywords pop up is that I I try to dip into that. It's difficult reading, as you know, any of that academic stuff. It is, yeah. it's, I would much rather read the pamphlet. But those are three things, This this meditation and stillness practice, just pop culture, I guess I would put Harvard in a, into that sort of pop culture reading, but yep. then could sort of have this sort of scholarly, try to dip into that every now and then.
0: Yeah. I love that. I'm, I'm the same way with the meditation affirmation, get some good exercise in, in the morning. Right. So but what does that look like? Do you have a spot in your house? Is it yeah. the same spot every time? Is it gets
1: changed? It's the same spot, same routine. And so my wife and I have a very structured. So we get up early. We enjoy coffee in bed, and we have a, this meditation practice. And then you know we get up at five thirty, and so by six forty five seven we are. Uh, four out of seven days, we're on the bike. Uh, and so we've uh, both a combination of Peloton and some homebrew stuff that I make up just to sort of stress us out even further. So we're on the bike and then Saturday's a long ride. So we'll go ride long and, and during the winter. That's usually what we call a movie ride. We'll just pop in a movie and just watch a movie. And then two times a week, it's with weights and then uh, yoga and stretching on a Sunday. Before oh, church. And so we are very, very programmed. And it's nice with your partner to wake up. It's not a what are we going to do today? It's when are you getting, when are you ready to go? I mean, yeah. you know, what what needs to happen? So we know every Wednesday today's tempo. And so we do tempo work on Wednesday. We do hard on Tuesday, Friday, and then we go long on Saturday. So we know, and then two other days where, you know, I'm lifting and my wife is doing something that she enjoys personally. The, the lifting is kind of a lonely singular activity. You can't really do that. <laughs> in That's hard to do that as a group sport I've found.
0: Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's, it's great, very structured, right now, think, very structured. The, the, and I think there's accountability there, what I'm hearing too mm-hmm. right I mean it's, it's one thing to show up by yourself, and, and there's a lot of people that are disciplined to do that, but there's also that thing that you know' this beautiful ladies right next to you, and it's going to be, "Hey, I got to get up or she's nudging you. It's time to get up, right? Absolutely. And it's nice to know when you wake up
1: Tuesday morning, you know we're doing we're we're riding you know short hard and and that's yeah. just I love the clarity of that. People have critiqued that it's that it's boring or static. I mean that's what the long ride is for. We're out roaming around different rides in in, in the hill country here. We live in Central Texas, so okay. that's what that's for. But it's 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 work. I mean it's not yeah. it's so I don't need to like mix it up for the sake of mixing it up. it's it's it's, it's a purpose.
0: I like it. I like it. So let's talk about, you said earlier, maybe it was even before we started recording, but leading, but yet challenging, right? So I think sometimes we want to lead and it's hard to challenge that person. But at the same time, great leaders can also challenge. So, so walk us through that.
1: Yeah. So it's in the context, back to where we were about trusted advisors. And I think your work and, and the other industries that you picked, lawyers, accountants, other professional services, people that, that earn their income by serving others, yep. is that there's this dichotomy that I've, that I've observed. Is that you typically have people and it's very age related, but not universally age, but it's it's early in people's career, they do what I call serve and respond. And so they're order takers. Someone runs in and says to you and, and a financial advisor or some other someone else, we need more, you know, Apple in our portfolio. The serve and respond advisor says, Yep, how many shares you want, or, or whatever the context mm-hmm. might be. As we progress in our careers and our confidence progresses, our self-awareness progresses, our ability to be intimate, that's when we lead and challenge our clients and say, hey, I understand that's that you want more Apple, but have you thought about this and how the implications of that or that, what, whatnot? And so I view and what I ask people that I work with is, am I serving responding or am I leading and challenging my clients and, and those around me? And so I toggle as a leader of my firm, I toggle between both of those. I serve and respond. They, people tell me what to do. We need a piece of content. You got to be here at 10 o'clock. You got to do this thing. And I just do what I do. I serve and respond. I serve and respond. There is often where I, my greatest role is to lead and challenge. And that's the same thing for my clients. I, I try to get out of serve and responding for my clients. And I know what we get paid for is leading and challenge. And so, so serve and respond would look like, you know writing a press release writing a speech writing talking points doing a study about social media or something like that i've got people that do that that's not what i do i take that and then lead and challenge people with that yeah. information
0: i love that too i mean that serve and respond like you said in your example the apples okay you know mr or mrs client you want 100 shares you want a thousand share right and that's and just i don't think you're adding value there you're just taking so, an order you're you might an well order Donalds? Right? yeah yeah absolutely I can't tell you. I mean, and you said you said earlier, like whether it's Bitcoin or when all this crazy stuff's going on in the markets, it's everybody's got an idea. And I think, you know, our advisors work really hard to, to know the client, ask the questions and do what they need to do, because that's where, in my opinion, you do become the trusted advisor and that's how you earn your key.
1: But do you agree right. that there's this with your group, with your with your advisors? Do you think there is an age or an experience axis? Is that we all start at serve and respond because oh, of the 100%. fear of losing clients? Yeah. I don't want to piss off yeah. Mister. I don't Mrs. want to Jones. piss that guy
0: off, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, as opposed to saying Bitcoin's stupid, yeah, which yeah. which you
1: might say if as a lead and challenge.
0: Yeah. No, I connected when you said that earlier. I think it, it definitely is you're in the business longer, you have more confidence, but you also have the reasonings why and you're a student of the game, you you sharpen your saw and you know exactly why we have that much apple mm-hmm. versus okay, yeah, let's just add to it. Can
1: so, you accelerate yeah. that in your experience? Can you accept so we we've got a, a really up and coming 25, 30 year old, they've they're they're ready to roll, but they but they still are serve and respond out of fear. Can we as leaders accelerate their courage and confidence so that they don't have to wait till yeah. they're 40?
0: I think so. I think so. And the, re- and I, and the reason I say that is I've, I've been a, an advisor. This is the only thing I've ever done. Mm-hmm. And so now, you know, being a founder and a co-founder and a CEO of a firm and still an advisor, but you know, back when I was 22, 23 years old, yeah, I was scared to death. Right. But the way I did that, the way I made that get go, go faster was I took, now I can say this cause I'm the gray haired guy, but I always took the gray haired guys with me in my early Mm twenties and I would sit down and I would watch them and how they would work with clients. And I wouldn't write down what the client or prospect said. I would write down what the advisor said Mm. and, Oh, this guy said that in this meeting. Well, here's how the advisor responded or she said this and here's what he did. Mm -hmm. And then I would study that and I would learn that. And then the, I think for me, it helped me grow faster to where I was in my late 20s and getting into leadership and starting to become a managing director of a firm. And I would say, yeah, that, that happened because I started to get confidence. You know, I, I busted out of my comfort zone. I call them comfort zone calluses. Mm-hmm. And I would see somebody do that and not like, I was like, oh, he just said that. And the client came back and respected it. Well, it made my comfort zone be a little bit bigger. Mm-hmm. And then a little bit bigger, and a little bit bigger. Until then, you had to, you, the ability you to go out and do it on your own.
1: Yeah, and in, from a, from what we do in a communications context, our promise is if you work with us in this journey of becoming a trusted advisor, the promise is you now become the place that your your leadership takes their most difficult challenges. And that's not for everybody. Not everybody wants to do that. I'm sure you know plenty of advisors that are happy taking orders. And that yeah. they've made careers out of taking orders. It's not what I want to do, and I don't think it's what you want to do. Yeah, no. But I do. As we become trusted advisors, I want to be the place that the most that the leader takes their most difficult challenge. That's that's what I want. And in a sports yes. context, I want the ball at the top of the key. That's not everybody. Not everybody doesn't want the ball, but that and there's right. nothing wrong with that. There's not a criticism. I think you would agree with that. That that's not 100 not a criticism. But you got to make sure somebody wants the ball. When there's two seconds yeah. left, or whatever the metaphor, yeah,
0: absolutely. And I think it's good knowing that about your own team at work too, right? Is who wants the ball and, and those that may not want the ball. I mean, look, I mean, look at John Paxson and Steve Kerr and people like that for the Chicago Bulls, right? They weren't the guy that had the ball at the top of the key, but they made a hell of a living. And have a lot of memories, and they were the last two, or the number. They made the
1: last pass, and they get the assist.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, or made some key shots that nobody talks about because they want to talk about Jordan stuff. So exactly, it's good to have that in every team. So let's talk about you. Obviously, we've we've used the word crisis a lot. You've worked with people on, like you said, their worst day probably ever, right? Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. maybe somebody listens going through that, but maybe somebody just had a bad day, right? It's not maybe newsworthy. But for them, it knocked them off the, the horse a little bit, right? So mm-hmm. what advice would you have for people from a mindset and an emotional standpoint, how to get through really, really tough days or a really tough time?
1: Yeah. Terrific question. So I believe in this this phrase, and I, I read it from, from someone It was a, a, a church that was going through, ironically, going through a really, really difficult time. And this is what someone shared. He said, the crucible of crisis doesn't... Develop your skill set; it reveals it. And mm. so, when you are going through that moment, and even if it is a benign bad day, you've lost some clients or whatever, the, whatever the situation is, and it's a it's a bad day. It is really clear how you respond. Listen and trust you trust your gut, trust your instincts, and so get back on the horse and get going. That's all real cliche. But the thing for what I do, and, and this is a little outside of just bad day, is that if you subscribe to the crucible of crisis doesn't develop your skill set, it reveals it, you got to practice. You got to practice. So back to the Jordan analogy, he practiced catching and releasing with a, sh- a short amount of time as possible. And that was practice so that when he was in that crisis, if you will, it, what was revealed, he liked. He liked what he saw. So the way I talk about it for organizations is that the, the key difference in crisis when they're, when they're, when you have a crisis is speed. How fast you respond. So let's say you've, you're losing a bunch of clients or maybe someone accuses you of sexual harassment or there's just something real that's going on. The speed at which you fill the marketplace with information, with what your side of the story or exactly what happened, that's the key differentiator between good and great. The way you get fast, is having crystal clarity around your mission and values, plus an understanding of your chain of command. And so if we just take this hypothetical company, something bad happens to this hypothetical company. They need to not dither around thinking about what really matters most. What is their mission? What is their values? So many clients that come to me, don't know what matters most. And they don't have clarity around what they really stand for, their reason for being. They're just selling widgets because that's all they've ever done is selling widgets. So they don't really understand their reason for being. And we all poo-poo that and we all roll our eyes at mission and values and all that kind of silliness. But in a critical moment, if your skill sets are revealed, knowing mission and values is really critically important. Second is more of a practical application. It's your chain of command. Who am I going to go to? Who do I trust? Who am I going to get advice from when this happens? Is it inside counsel, outside counsel? Is it a trusted board member? Is it my CFO, my chief operating officer? Understanding that and exercising that. So when it's revealed, you know, I'm going to trust Brett. Brett's going to give me the advice. Paul, he's not up for this. He doesn't want the ball at the top of the key. He's just not in the room when that choice is made. Hmm. But Mary, she gets our employees and she understands the long-term. So she's on the team. And so it's exercising and practicing those things. So speed is the key differentiator when people are having these crises. The way you get fast is knowing what you stand for and knowing who you talk to. That's how you get fast.
0: That's phenomenal. I love that process. And so talk about the emotional side of that, though, too, because, okay, great. I got my communication out. I know my mission and vision. I know my team. But now I'm at home alone after dinner and I'm like, holy crap, right? My world is crumbling. Yeah. yeah. Now what?
1: Yeah. And, you know, and that's when that ministerial part of what I do, because I get those calls at seven o'clock. We've issued the statement. We've done the press release. We've done the whatever. And, and we watched it. We watched the six o'clock news and said, okay, we did okay, now what? You know, it is a lot about that self-orientation and, 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 and blame is, is such a toxic, toxic chemical is when we look at blame and there's their self-blame. But what I really try to do is we're dealing with, with crises and, and often it is not the actions of one person. So sexual harassment, and if, if, you, if you've got a leader that has done some bad things, they need to sit in that blame, and they need to yeah. sit and own that space. But if there was a manufacturing facility that that blew up, or there was a there was a there was a something bad that happened, you, you owning that blame personally is not is not particularly relevant to me. I don't think that's really important. I think what you need to do is apologize, fix it, and get back to strategy as fast as fast as you can. There's really not much room for self-wallowing. And so yeah. depending upon the situation, when I get that call, it's called seven, eight o'clock at the end of the day, is that I really want organizations to apologize, fix it and get back on plan as fast as they can and and yeah. denial and saying, well, maybe it's not me, or maybe it's not that bad, or maybe nobody's going to find out that is not a part of apologize, fix it and get back on strategy. Yeah. And too often companies do that.
0: Yeah. And I think too, you know, you mentioned the company earlier, but you know, I've got a. To- couple of their pieces of, of exercise equipment at home. And, and I, you know, recently they had to do a recall right with their treadmill yeah. and Absolutely. I'm not an expert, but they communicated with me very quickly. They fixed the problem if, if you wanted to fix the problem. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and they have over communicated, I think, since, uh, with mm-hmm. some emails and and some things like that, so I think mm-hmm. that's probably a good process. Would you agree, or is that some? It was a
1: good process once they did it. They were yeah. slow because you had governmental. Yeah, I was FTC, I believe. FTC a little bit forced their hand. And so yeah. they were behind the curve on that. So so yes, and it's great that that's your observation and that's your perspective. That's what they're counting on. I think from my vantage point, they were kind of a half a step behind yeah. in, in, a, in a macro context. That. Now, does that matter? All that really matters is your memory and your perspective. As a customer or, or an observer, that's really what matters, not my sort of fine-tuning. It's a little bit like appreciating art. A lot of people yeah. appreciate it and other people sort of get, you know, don't like the way the eye is painted or something right. like that. So, yeah. Um, yeah. But, they, but they, that, they, they were a little bit delayed. They were a little slow. Thought it a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. exactly. Yeah. Which is an instinct, which is an instinct. Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. So again, we're talking about mindset and behaviors on here all the time. So mm-hmm. leader one, great mindset, great behaviors. We know those. Leader two, struggling a little bit. What advice do you have for that guy struggling to get to being the top leader that he wants to be?
1: Yeah, you know, those are challenging situations because they have the mantle of leadership in that moment. If they maintain that position, they will not keep it. It, they, They cannot keep that leadership. And so what I do a lot of is that I try to I need to I need to generate action. I need to get companies to do something whether that be an yeah. apology or fire somebody or make amends in some some way. They need to take affirmative action. Is one of the most effective things I do is just sort of paint a picture. You convince people with sort of fear or the promise of a promised land. Is that I you really use fear. I say if we don't do this here are going to be the consequences. It's a New York Times article. It's going to be a really difficult board meeting. you are going to have to explain why you didn't do anything. And then you're probably going to get fired. Mm. Or we can do this. And this is what that promised land looked like. That chasm is painful. You are going to have to get over that chasm. So I try to use storytelling. I use either promised land or fear to try to convince. To the root of your question is a coaching and self-improvement in my practice, that's a day two activity. That's not a day one activity. Day okay. one, I'm on the battlefield tra- triaging, kind of packing the wound. Now or it's Stopping not the bleeding. The, stopping the bleeding. And that is not the time to talk about diet and exercise.
0: Okay, I mean, yeah, we're, we're, we're like
1: packing the wound. And so I talk a lot about sort of cardiology and issues around that is that, that, that a lot of what I do is just emergency room physician type of stuff. We'll eventually get to talk about that. To your point about coaching, I use that same fear or promised land parable. And and that seems to be a really effective way for people to understand that. In a very practical level, I have mocked up newspaper articles with real headlines and two or three paragraphs of copy that says, you know, CEO Brett, are you ready to see this article? Because this is what's coming tomorrow if we don't act that's a little extreme and a little dramatic but, but it gets your attention that. though but it gets your attention cuz it's real galvanizing to see you know on Thursday afternoon Brett failed to blank 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 that's pretty galvanizing and I love so that. i know you i the, the root of your question is coaching honestly it's my experience those leaders that are that don't have that mindset and behavior Self-select or the board selects them out. Selects them out pretty fast.
0: So I'm, I'm writing this down. So I mean, I, what I'm hearing is kind of you're painting two pictures. And so any business leader or you know mom and dad, anybody listening to this right now could sit down and say, okay, based on what I'm doing right now, we can go as small as exercise, your eating, leadership, whatever you want to call it. Here's mm-hmm. if I keep doing this path, here's what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Boom, 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 boom. Right, list them out. Or I can adapt and go to this path boom, 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 boom. Here's what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Now I have to sit and reflect and look at these two things and say, which do I prefer?
1: Exactly. Yeah. And I, and I think that's really, really an important, that's an important process. And we also do that. And that's where that meditation time comes in and that stillness. We all, everybody gets off on being busy, busy, busy. And I just think that's ridiculous. Right. You know, yeah. We, we, we I, should I really agree. Reflect. Uh, and, and exactly what you just said. That's the, really the way to, to the, the way to think about it.
0: So when you think about it, let's go back to that meditation visualization thing. Walk us through that. You got your coffee, you're in bed for this part. And are mm-hmm. you literally just kind of breathing and trying to let your mind go nowhere? Mm-hmm. Or are you letting your mind go to certain things that you need to really focus on? Yeah.
1: Two parts. I, I think everything begins with, gra- with gratitude. So I've got a gratitude list that I just run through my, my kids, my wife, my firm, my team. Uh, so I'm just running through, I've got a pretty fixed gratitude list. So I just kind of yeah. run through the gratitude list. The second is I've tried lots of different models in my, in my silence or let's call it meditation. I just go where I go and whatever, wherever I go. Some days it's, improving my punch list and improving the things I need to do by 10 o'clock and my honeydew list or, you know, paint the house, walk the dog, whatever. I, and sometimes it's there. Other times it's like really big, beefy things about myself. It's really big, beefy things around yeah. concepts about self-improvement or maybe somebody on my team that I want to coach. And so I don't, once I, gratitude is pretty fixed. There's a, there's a eight or 12 little touch points that I hit there. That's really very fixed. After that, I, I just, I was, coached by a coach, just let it go. Let let the let the whatever you believe in do its work. And that's kind of what I what I do. And I do believe that, that that's God in me. And that's that's wherever I go. And sometimes God's okay with me working on a grocery list. And there's nothing wrong with that. All right. Every day does not have to be you know, exploring the bowels of my creation, um, I can really <laughs> just think about. Right. I can just think about. You know, okay, I got to mow the yard, so time to get up and get going, or whatever the case may be. But but I driven people, is... though
0: struggle with that, right? Absolutely, I, mean, I struggle with that sometimes, where it's like oh, I just wasn't as productive, and then I beat myself up over a little bit.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's that self awareness and and self care. Yeah. I mean, if we if we can't care for ourselves, we can't care for others. I firmly believe that, and and particularly you mentioned men. You know, there are so many men. That are just like driven, 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 and, and scheduled. Um, I, I, it's it's a pity often that they have not taken enough time for self care. And women are very good at that, you know, yeah. not to put too many gender stereotypes on it. But men struggle with that, and I, that's a that's yeah. a shame.
0: Yeah. So you mentioned earlier just very briefly, but I, I catch this, and I think we want to make a point of this. as you said that your coach, your coach coached you. Yeah, You coach people. Mm -hmm. And again, let's go back to Michael Jordan or Michael Phelps or Tom Brady or whoever. The best of the best of the best have coaches. Mm -hmm. So when you think about that, what advice would you have for somebody listening to this today that doesn't have a coach, but wants to go to that next level? Why did you hire a coach and what do you get out of it?
1: Yeah. Well, I'm a huge fan of coaching, mentorship, whatever you want to call it. I think having a... Non-aligned outsider giving you perspective is critical. And so I say non-aligned because you might have a COO who, you know, you guys can talk really honestly with each other, but you're aligned and, and your decisions impact their outcomes. Yeah. So I, so I talk about it in the context of non-aligned. I think it's critically important to have a non-aligned outside perspective in your life. Even your wife or a partner is is aligned. So, so I think there's high value in that. So what I get out of it is just clarity of thought and and, and helping me. I still struggle with confidence. I still struggle with, with my own head trash. And, and are people really going to believe me? And are people really going to believe the wisdom that I give? And then also just in growing my business. I didn't really, to, to grow the way I need to grow, I need to market and be more aggressive and ask for the sale. I've built my business on on referrals and reputation, and now I'm pivoting. So my coach really helps me with that, that it is okay to go out and market and promote yourself and do it in a very classy and organic way. The other thing my coach does is, is paints a picture of a vision of a future that I can get excited about. I can, I can get enthusiastic about that. So those are kind of three things that I think highly I get but that I get a lot from my coach in order to to sort of paint paint that vision, clarify the the offerings that I bring, but then also helping me get out of my own way and my own self-doubt.
0: Good. I like it. So, so let's talk about this and maybe your meditation, your gratitude list, affirmations and all that. But What about when I say enjoy the journey? You mentioned kids earlier. I don't know how old your children are, but Mm -hmm. those of us that are in the the depths of camps here and games there and (laughs) stuff in the morning, stuff at night, work during the day, right? You're in that that kind of sandwich into all this stuff. How have you slowed down or did you slow down to Mm -hmm. enjoy the journey and, and make the most of it?
1: Yeah. So I am a, a a passionate sailor. So I love to sail. So I I love to sail offshore. I am trying to do that now and, and, and sail more. I'm in central Texas. So I'm on a small, I'm on a a lake, but we've, we've got a boat, uh, you know, down, down, down in the Caribbean. And so we, I want to do, I want to teach. So that's the next thing I want to do. I want to take men that are, that want to be great dads and want to expose their kids to the water, and they want to sail, and they want to fish, and dive, and snorkel, and go to cool experiences. I want to teach people how to do that, and so for me, that's the journey, that's the enjoyment. I, coaching people through crisis and helping people in crisis is; those days are numbered for me. Helping people find the journey that I found and the love that I have for the water and the love that I have for sailing and for the sure. offshore sailing. That's really where I want to go. So the journey—I I lived this phrase for a long time—is that I was in my first marriage, and I've remarried, and that's a big—that was a big change for me, and a hugely positive change. Is my new my my new wife is that we let life live us in in our previous marriage, and I've decided fundamentally to change that. I'm going to live life, and I'm going to manifest the things that I want. And so mm-hmm. now I've built a successful firm, and now I want to teach sailing. And there's a lot of ego to get wrapped up in that you know, because I might not be a six, seven figure career and I need to kind of be okay with that. And I might not travel 200 nights a year and be executive platinum on American because that's how I used to validate myself. And so now I can kind of do it with, you know, Brett and his family had an amazing vacation and they wouldn't have been able to do that without, what I safely without right. the way I, the way I coached. So that's an awesome. obtuse answer to, to how I sort of do it, but really intentional about, about loving what I'm doing.
0: Yeah, you know, when you say so you're following your passions, right? I mean, you can yeah. see the sailboat right behind you. I mean, it's a passion of yours. Yeah, so I think that if you can live in your passion, that's a big deal. Huge deal, absolutely. So, talk to us about your book, "Critical Moments: A New Mindset for Reputation Management." Tell us about that. What brought that on? Obviously, is what you do for a living, but tell us about it.
1: Yeah, so you know the the book, the story of the book starts on a on a cocktail napkin flying home from New York, and that's kind of where it mm-hmm. began. And so, I just finished a crisis engagement with an amazingly dynamic female CEO. It was about a seven day episode. They they kind of got caught in the crosshairs. The details don't really matter. Get kind of got caught caught in the crosshairs and she did a really nice job of, of managing and leading that mindset and behavior that we talked about. She really got it and managed us through really, really well. That, that, that crucible threw us together in a very sort of, you know, a really strong, fast friendship And so as a good consultant, way back when, I was using lots and lots of jargon is that I was making this distinction about reputation versus brand, reputation management, that it should be no different than HR management or portfolio management, or there should be a practice. And she goes, finally, we were debriefing on a Friday at the end of it. And she said, Bill, yeah, I've heard you've been talking about that for a week, but I don't really know, understand what the heck you're talking about. So can you just explain it to me very clearly? And so I fumble bumbled around and it was a really bad conversation and she said timeout. What I need, and you may be familiar with this. She said what I need is I need something like the 4 Cs of mar- or 4 Ps of marketing. Price, product, place, promotion. She wanted a model just like that and that's a 1960s yeah. innovation. Sure. And so I flew home and I just, and I crafted the 4 As of reputation management, which is awareness, assessment, authority, and then action. And then I wanted to expand that further and decided to write a book about it with some parables from things that I've done in my career. But really that reputation is an asset, just like any other asset in a corporation can be managed, meaning you can assign KPIs to it, you can assign people to it, you can assign budget to it. And so I created this model, just like janitorial supplies, treasury management or legal management, there's a model and a system and a process. And so we have applied that to reputation management so that it can be dealt with just like anything else in a corporation.
0: Assuming you can get on any major platform?
1: Absolutely. Yep. Critical Moments, there's a criticalmomentsbook.com is out there, but it's also available. The easiest and best way is Amazon, obviously, but then you can also get it at our corporate website, Kith.c.
0: Well, besides your own book and besides the Bible, well, the, the, you got a lot of books back there. You can't use those two. What, what's your favorite book? Any recommendations?
1: Yeah, you know, I mean, we, we referenced it earlier. This trusted advisor book by David Meister is really a terrific book. Simon Sinek, the Why book, is a great book. Yeah. I think Atomic Habits by Clear is is yeah. fabulous. I I think you know, there's a you took the Bible away from me. Is there's a Falling Upwards by Richard Rohr is a great book. It's a more of a Jesuit priest and so it's a really a lot about the second half of your life and how do you how do you come back from a, from a turmoil it was really important to me my yeah. after my divorce
0: so sure. it's a handful check out chase the lion have you ever read uh, chase, the, chase lion? the lion No, yeah. i love it chase the lion is a phenomenal book and uh, i just got done reading it and it was it was really really good so chase the lion i'm drawing a blank on the guy's name right now i apologize but it's on there so where do our listeners find more of bill coletti so our corporate website, as in, it's
1: funny, the websites are now kind of old school, but kith.co, kith.co is our website. A lot of information there. Pretty active on Twitter, really active on LinkedIn. We try to share a pretty thoughtful, deep post around both crisis response, but, but also about mindset and behavior of leaders on LinkedIn, both under my name, Bill Coletti. So those three places. And then, you know, I actually like talking to people on the phone so you can find our phone number and 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 set up an appointment. So I, I love just sharing and talking about this and, and having... Yeah having conversations with smart people like you. So I'm happy to do that.
0: Awesome. Well, Bill, it's been awesome having you, man. I've taken uh, two pages of notes, a lot of good stuff. And I know our listeners will find tremendous value in this. So appreciate your time and appreciate you listeners out there tuning in every single week to listen to us on the circuit of success. So Bill, thanks for being with us and have a, a great rest of the week. Thanks, everybody. Tune
1: in next week for another episode of the Circuit of Success with Brett Gilliland on the lineupmedia.fm podcast network. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and through our website, circuitofsuccess.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter and email any questions to info at circuitofsuccess.com.
0: This podcast was a presentation of lineupmedia.fm.